welcome to this latest edition of the Maritime Podcast. You're listening to Marcus Han, editor of Sea Trade Maritime News, and in this new episode of the Maritime in Minutes series, we'll be taking a look back at some of the most important stories in shipping and maritime over the month of June. We started out the month with a focus on attracting talent to the maritime sector. Attracting talent is a key one for a low-profile sector where the push to digitalization finds itself competing with a broad range of sectors, many perceived as much sexier than shipping. One of the key aims of the Singapore Maritime Foundation is to promote careers in the sector, and Sea Trade Maritime News spoke to Executive Director Tan Beng Ti about how it is attracting both young talent and those looking to make a mid-career switch. She stressed that Maritime offered much more than seafaring and port roles, with there being opportunities in a wide range of professional services, such as legal, arbitration, finance, insurance, chartering, shipbroking, and increasingly technology and sustainability roles that support the maritime industry as a whole. Siti Nur Puteri Muhammad also shared her story about how she successfully made the switch from career as a medical technologist to a commercial operator with a shipbroker in Singapore, a role which offers the human connections for which she yearned. Moving into the second week of the month and COVID restrictions in China and their impact on shipping started to come into sharp focus. An outbreak in South China led to one of the world's top container ports, Yantian International Container Terminal, closing its western terminal for three weeks and operating its other at just 30% of normal productivity. The impact on container shipping as berthing delays reached 16 days was enormous. The blockage of the Suez Canal in March by the Ever Given may have captured the world's imagination, with images of the giant ship stuck diagonally across the waterway, but the disruption at Yantian with the restrictions due to COVID, was far greater, as Vincent Clerk, AP Muller's Merck, CEO of Ocean Logistics, explained. I won't beat around the bush. When it's happening in a port as important as Yanshan, this will have significant ripple effect. And I will say, for us, this is a much bigger disruption than the ever given getting stuck in the Suez Canal for some days because of the duration and the importance of Yanshan as a gateway. Meanwhile, Sea Trade Maritime News reported on a less publicized but serious issue for shipping related to COVID restrictions in China, with ship repair yards in the marine hub of Zhoushan forced to turn down over 200 repair jobs due to local rules preventing ships from coming from areas such as the Indian subcontinent due to fears of spreading the Delta variant of the COVID virus. And now over to Emma Howell for the latest on our Maritime Online series. Thanks, Marcus, for another great Maritime in Minutes. Keeping our finger on the news pulse, this month sees the first edition of the Maritime Online series, a month-long event to bring you an industry sense check to help you prepare for the rest of 2021. Delivered in a format that works for you, each week of the series from the 21st of June to the 23rd of July will highlight the most essential topics from crewing, seafarers' welfare, digitalisation, AI, environment, decarbonisation and sustainability 
through to regulatory updates, finance, insurance, and much more. You can register for free at maritimeonlineseries.com and connect with leading industry experts. Get inspired and expand your knowledge. See you there. The third week of the month saw the meeting of the IMO's Marine Environment Protection Committee, MEPC 76. Week-long meetings of technocrats at the UN body governing maritime are not traditionally the stuff of mainstream media news stories, but the focus on shipping's environmental record has changed this, and the MEPC found itself in the spotlight. IMO Secretary-General Keetak Lim claimed considerable progress at the meeting, with short-term measures on the efficiency existing ship index, EEXI, and the carbon intensity indicator, CII, agreed. So, listeners, much like your fridge or aircon units are rated for their efficiency, from 1 January 2023, ships will be rated for their energy efficiency, from A best to E worst. A ship rated D for three consecutive years, or E, is required to submit a corrective action plan to show how the required index of C or above would be achieved. But others were less impressed with the level of progress, with both an industry proposal to create an R&D fund for decarbonisation technologies and a proposal for a mandatory level of $100 per tonne carbon dioxide equivalent on heavy fuel oil parked for further discussion. The fourth week of June saw a focus on crewing ahead of the International Day of the Seafarer on 25th June. The Crew Connect Europe virtual event, part of our Maritime Online series, discussed a wide range of issues related to seafarers, including crew change, welfare, abandonment, training, and COVID-19 vaccination. On the issue of vaccination, IMO Secretary General Kitak Lim stated that seafarer vaccination was critical. Francesco Gargiulo, CEO of the International Maritime Employers Council, explained to the conference audience. What we wanted now is for them to be treated as a priority when it comes to inoculation. Some countries have done it right away without much lobbying, perhaps because they had ready availability of vaccines. Some other countries have taken a lot of lobbying, a lot of pressure, a lot of pushing. Some countries are still not keen on doing it. Rounding out the month, we had the fifth anniversary of the expanded Panama Canal, an event that altered trade patterns. Unlike its opening five years ago, where the great and the good of shipping travel from far and wide to be present, the fifth anniversary was a more muted affair given the pandemic. However, the statistics told the story of how significant the expansion has been. Since the Neo-Panamax locks inauguration, 13,700 vessels have transited the canal, of which 42% were container ships, 22% LPG carriers, 15% dry bulk carriers, and 14% LNG carriers. Those 1,640 LNG transits of the canal are something it had never seen before, and box ships of up to 15,000 TEU in capacity can now transit the canal, compared to just 4,500 TEU prior to the expansion. This has had a significant impact on trading routes between East and West. That's 
all we have time for on this episode of Maritime in Minutes. To learn more about the stories featured in this podcast, visit seatrade-maritime.com and sign up for our newsletter. Thank you for listening and stay safe.